I started into this book, um, I want to say by accident. I don't believe in accidents, but in that regard, I, I was working on a bit of a survey on relationships that I could use for myself and hopefully for others in a sense that I don't, I'm not perfect, I don't interact perfectly, those I'm with aren't perfect, let me tell you. No, no they, they don't interact perfectly either. But we have this target of interacting as Christ would have us interact, right? So t- sometimes what we bring doesn't come across the way it should. Sometimes what others bring doesn't either. But there's still this goal of being loving with each other and to really speak words of life on a continuous basis. Um, so that said, I got distracted by this book of 1 John, and um, it kind of exploded on me, and, and I want to spend time now in chapters 3 and 4. Um, as I've mentioned, he tends to get on a point and just worry it to pieces, and that is not what I'm about uh, I, I like outline, and I like, you know, just, just the facts, so to speak. And he, he just kind of chews and chews and chews on this thing. And, you know, if, he's going to tell you, believe in the Son of God, Jesus, and love others. He's going to tell you that many times in many different ways. There's a temptation to just say, yeah, I know that, and march off. And so my prayer as we walk through this is that we don't just, oh yeah, got the main point, don't need the rest. But rather, if he's going to keep chewing on this, maybe we can chew on it as well and find something new for us in it, in that maybe we aren't loving quite as well as we could in some areas, and maybe he'd introduce some things to us if, if we'll open our hearts to that. Now, how many are familiar that the epistle here is one of the last books written in the New Testament? You know that? Um, the Apostle John, they say that he could have written in 90 AD, roughly, in that range. So 60 years after the time of Christ. So that's a long time to live past that, isn't it? And so I've always gone into this with like this old man kind of, when I get to the epistle, I mean, I look at the Gospel of John, you know, and seven miracles, seven IMs, and and some very specific intention in the writing. Look at the book of Revelation, and I'm kind of amazed at what he comes out with. Epistle of John, I get almost, forgive me, but I have this picture of a man almost slobbering as he writes, because it's, you know, this... Love one another, you know, love, 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 you know. And I'm just kind of, and so when I've read this phrase, children in there, which is 14 times he uses the term, or 15 times in 14 verses, and I'm just kind of going, little children, okay, I get it, older man writing to, or maybe fatherly figure writing to children. But I want to suggest that there's another point here that we need to grab onto to, to appropriately understand this book. So when we start in chapter 3, verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. 
So, again, if, if he's going to use this term children, 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 maybe he's referring to, to us as children of God. Not just the older guy saying, well, you little ones, you, you'll, you know. Maybe he's saying this is an incredible blessing that we get to be viewed as the children of God. So he's continuing to bring this phrase out. Now, each time we hit this word in these next two chapters, I want you to note it, okay? Just hang on to that for a bit and see if we maybe read it in a bit different light. Isn't it possible that, you know, if... Okay, when, when we talk about being someone's child, we also talk about family tendencies, right? And when kids are growing up, you hear, this is how we do it in this family. Well, so-and-so is doing it. This is how we do it. You know, in, in, uh, in our home, my kids wore out on the phrase, that's a good start. I'd send them off to do something. How is it? And the hope would be that they could just do enough to get by and get out and on with what they want to do. And I'd be going, yeah, that's a good start. You're not done. There's more to do. I expect a higher standard. That kind of thing is in each family, right? There, we have our catchphrases, and we've also spent time talking about family sins that tend to march along with us, but also, in this case, maybe family righteousness. You know, that if we are the children of God, then we're to mirror the Father. If, if we are, have this wonderful thing put on us that allows us to be called the children of God, then we have certain family connections and ties and activities and values and the rest that become a part of us as a result of joining this family. And so I want to suggest that when we read this and we catch children, maybe he's attaching... This is part of our family heritage. This is what we're connected to. This is how we do things. The reason the world doesn't know us, it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It says we're becoming like him. Children of God, we are taking on his identity. That future is ours. It's just like family dreams, you know. We have this dream together and we hope to see this happen. There is a family dream that you and I hold. One day we will be united with him. We will spend eternity with him. How that all looks, we don't know, but that's part of our dream together as the children of God. Then it goes on to say, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So this call to holy behavior is connected to this identity that we carry as children of God. But you know that he appeared so that we might that he might take away our sins, 
and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. That verse is a challenge, isn't it? Because all of us still sin at times, but are we labeled sinner anymore? Um, this past week, with little ones around, I kicked a soccer ball a few times and uh, played baseball for a few minutes. You know, and after a couple just kind of wander between your legs, you realize, I have to bend over to do this again. And if they're just not going to fly over my head, I'm going to have to break on the ball. I am not a baseball player. Although in the past, did participate in leagues and soccer, the same kind of thing, that would have been more of an identity in that season of life. Even though I may participate in a baseball game, now I'm not a baseball player anymore or a soccer player. And in some ways, I look at this whole thing of sin similarly. Every now and then, I'm very aware of messing up, but it is not the pattern or the habit of my life that's been broken. And so I look at this the same way as saying, sinner is not the label on me anymore. Child of God is what I've been labeled with. I'm stepping away from sinful habits and patterns. Dear children, verse 7. Okay, there it is again. Do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who is sinful is of the devil because he's been sinning from the beginning. The reason God... Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So as a child of God, there is another thing attached to me, not only just that I will see him one day, but it, it, there's a, a label called righteous that it becomes attached to me as, as I've had been brought into this identity with him. Children of God live righteously. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them and they cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. So we have this identity brought into our lives as we have become the children of God and saying sin needs to be departing from us. This is how we know who the children of God are. There it is again. Children of God, stop sinning. And who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. So he's kind of moving back into this idea again. But again, he has made this declaration, child of God or child of the devil. That's not as polite as what we're used to dealing with people, right? When's the last time you called someone a child of the devil? Or I, I don't want to know. Um, take that back. Uh, but to even view things that starkly, light, dark. Child of God, child of the devil. But... The writer is making this declaration 
And we do better to draw our thinking into line with Scripture than we do trying to make Scripture conform to our thinking. Move towards Scripture, not away from it. And so in this, there's this this readiness on the apostle to say, yeah, I can define it, light and dark. Child of God, child of the devil, what are you? Make your choice. And so he's, he's very specific. In this book of love, 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 <laughs> out comes child of God, child of the devil. There's a connection with truth that doesn't depart us just because we step into this aspect of loving others. Now he gives an illustration. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. Have you heard it said that, you know, if we just act nice enough, people will have to respond to that. And, you know, then, then they'll respond to Christ. Well, we are told to be loving, but we aren't guaranteed that the response is going to be loving. And this is right from the beginning. He says, Cain saw his brother do right, wasn't inspired to do right, but rather stepped off into evil and killed him. Why should it surprise us if it doesn't always work out the way we'd wish? All we have to do is look around the world and say there's persecution at a multitude of levels in various countries in regard to Christianity, and we're going, these aren't antagonists, but have been antagonized. And he's just going, this is the way it works. We are in a spiritual battle, and there are things that we're going to see that we don't like and things that you can't avoid, no matter how nice you might be. It's kind of like that, don't dim the light. Very similar passage. Um, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. No one who does not, remain in, does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that, that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So he, he makes it that stark and just says, our lives have to be about something different. We're not used to even saying we hate people, but we avoid, stay away, you know, speak badly of. But again, he's, he's just laying it out. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So he's bringing it into application and saying we need to be aware of those around us and we see people that we can assist. That's our responsibility. One of the nervousnesses that... Nervous? One of the things that makes me nervous is the ease of writing a check to the church and dismissing any responsibility in Christ to assist others. In some ways, you'd be a whole lot better off 
to decrease your amount to the church and invest in people you see. Um, <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. But uh, <laughs> I may come back later and say, yeah, all of that. No, but it, it's, it's really essential that we don't just you know, dismiss things and, because it's, it becomes too easy to not think about it. And in some ways, we're better off to, to look around us and just say, who's in need and what can I do? Lord, what would you have me do? I've tried to encourage the neighbor groups, you know, when we meet on Sundays, look around you. If there's need in that group, take care of it. The money doesn't have to come back here. So far, it's not bit us. And so I'd say, let's keep exploring it further. Because it, 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 it forces our eyes to say, what does God want to do through me? And it's not just handing it off to another and say it doesn't matter. Okay? Dear children, whoops, there it is again. Part of our heritage, part of what we've been brought into. So what's he say now? Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. So he says, part of the identity that you've tied into is to be a loving person that loves in action and in truth. Both things together. This is how we know we belong to the truth, how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Here's a beautiful verse. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. That's a powerful idea. Just because you say you're wrong doesn't mean that you're condemned. Just because you acknowledge frailties in your life and weakness and failure doesn't mean that God's condemned you. Powerful thing to chew on. I was in a meeting this week where there was a confrontation that went on. I did not speak up fast enough. And I left that meeting angry at myself because I failed. You know, and I'm feeling that I can do better than this. And yet, uh, and, it, and things got resolved later on, but it, it was one of those moments where you're just looking at yourself and saying, oh, man. You know, now, I fully believe that God was not surprised by my behavior. I don't think he was confused at all. I was pretty uptight because it revealed who I am. <laughs> but it opened the door for me to address something that needs to be addressed. In this setting, I think he's saying, you know, you may feel pretty uptight about yourself in this moment, but that isn't the full declaration. Here's the other side of it, though. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. So in this context, he says, of this person who is walking in the power of the Lord and as a child of God and is doing what pleases Him, 
there's a right to begin speaking, and life comes out of that because we're participant as the children, giving out what the Father's given us. And this is his command. Okay, here's the summary of the book. (laughs) Shut down if you want. Believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. That's it. The one who keeps God's command lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave. Now he's introducing the spirit again. And here he goes. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus is not from God, does not acknowledge. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Again, we're not used to calling people false prophets or antichrists. And earlier in chapter 2, he'd, he'd talked about the Antichrist, but he'd also talked about Antichrist having gone out from them teaching a different gospel. In our charismatic circles, often this phrasing has been attached to exorcism, and, and there is an appropriateness of that somewhat, although it, it often gets uh, mistreated. But a wider application of this is the recognition that sometimes people call themselves Christian, but they refuse to call Jesus as the Son of God and Lord. And Paul would say this is part of the Antichrist and a false prophet. He would take on the whole thing of universalism that says all religions are the same, and he'd say, nope. Sorry, we don't go down that road. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Christ, Son of God. And so he would, he would be willing to call such declarations and, and teachers, you know, not, he would be willing to call them antichrist, opposed to Christ, right? So we've, we've kind of made this phrase or term you know, the Antichrist is coming. Do you think he's in the world yet? Do I think he was born in, you know, is he going to be out of Israel? You know, we, we get all this hype about the Antichrist, but fail to recognize that there is this Antichrist spirit, so to speak, in the world today. And quite honestly, in American Christianity, it's rampant. Because regularly in groups right now, there's a thing of saying, well, you know, it's all about love. That's what he was leading us to. And this, this, you know, son of God, it's, well, that's not as important as, as just that we embrace this love. That's what God really wants. Well, what God really wanted was the embracing of his son that he sent to die for us. And this writer has watched 60 years of Christianity, and he's going, these are the essentials. You can't step away from this. And there are times when people 
who have been a part of the body that step away and begin to say, you know, it's, it's, all, about, it's all the same. You know, it, 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 there's not that much difference. And, and what we really need to do is be more embracing of each other. Because God wants us all to get along. The apostle is... Uh, Love technology. <laughs> anyway, the apostle is just going, as simple as it is, this is our message, and we don't escape it. We don't move away from it. We don't deny that Jesus is the Son of God. That's crucial to who we are and what we believe. And furthermore, then he steps into the thing. The command that Christ gave us, as he expounded upon in the gospel, was that we are to love one another. So that's, that's our summary statement again. Okay. You dear children, okay, so here's that phrase again. It's part of the family. Dear children are from God and have overcome them because... The one in you is greater than the one in the world. So as children of God, we are overcomers of sin and of the devil's schemes. Right? That's, that's the attachment to our family. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. The world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not born of God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So he says, something should be alive in you that recognizes truth when you hear it. Something born of God is in you that gives you the ability to discern. Something gives you recognition. That says, no, there's something twisted here. It sounds interesting, but there's something twisted in it. You have the right and the, the, the responsibility to respond to the voice of God in these situations. Spirit of truth leading you into all truth. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, is love, who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Wearing out on this yet? Lord, help us to not get callous to this message, but to just keep bringing it back before our hearts till we get what you want out of it. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is now we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. 
We have seen and testified, similar to that first chapter, that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Anyone who acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. He says, we're all going to stand before the Father. We're all going to have to give an accounting of our lives. You do not have to fear if you are living a life of love. If you have committed to this Jesus being the Son of God and are embracing what He's asking you to do, He says, you don't have to fear that day. You can know that you're ready to stand before Him, that His love is perfected in you. We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. It's interesting. We, we take on the identity of children of God but then those who have also done that are what? Brother and sister. In our family, a lot more junk gets accepted just because they're family members than, than outside. I don't know how about your family, but it's, I mean, we tend to just, well, that's, you know, they'll grow up someday. That's what they say of me anyway. You know? <laughs> There's just, you know, you, you put up with things and you embrace it because you're committed to loving that family. If we are brothers and sisters, there is a call to that same kind of commitment, loving one another. We say that's the example that Christ set, so that's how we're going to live. And, and so he calls us back to that again. He just keeps chewing on this and chewing on it and chewing on it. And you're going, okay already. But it's, it's that thing of this is crucial to who we are and what we do. We love because he first loved us. And then he goes on, whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So he says, this is one of the evaluators of our lives. We talk love of God because we know it's crucial. But if we are incapable of loving others or we are not participating in that or we're letting selfishness rule our hearts, he says, the evidence is right there. If it's not in the visual, then don't expect it to be in the unseen. If you can't live those that are right in front of you, how are you going to live the one who, who you're not seeing? So he just lays it out to us again, and we're just going, oh, God, help me. <laughs> help us. Some of you are saying, move me, Lord. <laughs> Another group. No, it's, look around you. This is who God's placed in your life. This is who he calls you to. And as we learn to love each other well, then then. In a sense, that's we are learning to love our God well. What an incredible thing, huh? Children of God, 
Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, loving one another. Pretty simple to summarize. Lifetime to live. Stand with me, will you? I pray that that's the declaration of each of our lives, Lord. I pray in each heart here, there's a confidence that your Son saves us from sin, that you sent your Son out of love for us, that we might be set free and be brought into your family as the children of God. Then take it further, Lord, and help us to love our brothers and sisters in a way that honors you. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. Let's, uh, in this moment, let's just ask God to reveal to us the loving action that he would have us um, do for someone else. As was mentioned, it might involve a material blessing. It might be just a word of encouragement. Uh, it might be just this uh, thing that says, you can do this, you know, or I appreciate what you do, or something of that nature. But let's just ask the Lord, you know, specifically, point something out to me that uh, you would have me do as application of this. Okay? So we ask for that in this moment so that, in a sense, this love for others would be revealing of our love for you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy the freedom from sin that you offer, the overcoming ability that is theirs, and the opportunity to live a righteous and pure life. As each one goes into their fields of ministry, as they go out into the community, that you'll give them words of life to speak over others, that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom, the command of loving, that you'll gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.